name is Teresa, and thanks for having me share tonight. It is such a privilege to be up here. Actually, when Eleanor asked if Lee and I could speak with the theme of overcoming, I'm pretty sure I said, yeah, Lee will say yes, but I'll have to think about it. (laughs) Uh, But the Holy Spirit really prompted me to be here. And I believe if you've got a testimony, God wants you to share it. Just do it. So here I am. So uh, before I go any further, (laughs) I better pray. Okay. Father, thank you for this evening and the ability to share so freely about your goodness and faithfulness in my life. Thank you that Jesus' resurrection means we have an abundant kingdom life here and in heaven. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to live within us, to help us to live in your transformational power, free of bondage of sin. Thank you that you have the ultimate victory and we can stand strong in faith knowing this. May your Holy Spirit speak through me and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, looking at the time, good. Okay, so I'm Teresa. I've been married to Lee for 25 years this year. We have... <laughs> I think I need the middle. Anyway, um, we have three awesome children and uh, two dogs. Our youngest daughter, Isabel, lives with us in Tauranga. And our two oldest, Noah and Kyla, live in Auckland. Um, our dogs, Zeb and Min, and us all live in Tauranga now, and we've been here for about two years, so not long. We're new to the, new to the city. Yeah, new to the hood. So tonight I wanted to give and share my message, and it's coming up on the screen somewhere. Know God, know your story, and know your enemy. So when I thought and considered what to talk about, I realized that at this mid-stage of life, There's a lot of things that God's done. So the longer you've lived, the longer you've had God in your life, that's how it works. But um, this story is a part of my life from my early 20s. So I just had my first child, Kyla, or our first child, at this time of my life, and a natural fear of going to sleep had come over me. This didn't happen all at once, but progressively over my life until it had grown like completely out of control. Now, for some of you, especially younger people, it may be difficult to be thinking you're fearful of going to sleep, but this is what actually happened to me. Every night, I was terrified to close my eyes um, for fear of what I would dream. Every night, I had to start a new bedtime routine to think of as many good things before I went to sleep, and I thought this would help, but it didn't. I was confronted with nightmares that would overwhelm me and wake me in terror. But uh, how did I get to this? Um, So I'm just going to share a little bit how I grew up, and it might enlighten us to a bit of that. So I grew up in a non-Christian household. We didn't... Yeah. Um, We didn't attend church. We had no Bibles in our house. We never talked about God, but oddly we said grace at dinner. So that was weird. But it was more of a tradition passed on from my mother's family rather than any real relationship with God that I evidenced in my parents. My mother is a first-generation New Zealand-born Samoan. So she's pretty strict. Well, she was. She's a Christian now, so it's a little toned down. She was the discipliner in our house so that we could fit into the culture in her Samoan family. So in the context of her Samoan upbringing, that level of discipline would seem normal, which today would be unacceptable and probably illegal. 
And my dad, he would say he's, he was a New Zealander and not English. I don't think he was particularly proud of his English ancestors. And um, he had a pretty difficult upbringing, but both his grandfather and father served in the war and didn't come back very well. So his family had dysfunction and broke down and separated. And so in his suffering, he would medicate this on a regular basis on weekends with alcohol. So as a young child, you think that it would affect you, but it didn't affect me considerably. I was eager to be on the right side of my mother, so I wasn't really ever on her bad side. And my dad was a high-functioning alcoholic, so he was good from Monday to Friday, had a terrible Friday night, Saturday, and then all was good on the world again on Sundays. But that's how I grew up. We didn't have a lot. Um, There wasn't a lot more that I understood at that age about my parents and their pressures, but I definitely still felt loved by them. So yeah, location-wise, born in Paidoa, and the picture is because people don't know where that is, if I just say it generally. So yeah, I thought I'd show that. But um, it had its challenges. It has a population, well, when I was growing up, a little over the size of Tauranga Boys College. And so we were the only Pacific Islanders in all of Paidoa, and we actually were subject to some racism from that, and I had a couple of bullies growing up. I also grew up in a gang neighbourhood, which is not like it is today, okay? There weren't guns and all the rest of it. It was pretty low-key. There were two patched houses, people, patch members in our street. Um, They would party pretty loudly on weekends. Sometimes it would end in violence, but generally they kept to themselves. And it's really surprising when you grow up in that gang neighbourhood. They know you and they leave you alone. But um, thankfully, in all of that, I had... Samoan grandparents that were probably Christian, and I say that because they spoke in Samoan, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What I saw was evidence of of, of a a, um, faith. So they would take me, they lived in Auckland, they would take me to the Pacific Island Church, all in Samoan, which I didn't speak. Um, And when we stayed with them, they would pray very, very long Samoan prayers. If you've ever been in a Samoan church or around some Samoans, they like long prayers. Um, But it would always end in the Lord's Prayer in English, so we could join in. And so from my observations of just my grandparents, I really understood that God was real, and those prayers really lifted my spirit and helped me feel like I could actually just talk to God, because that's what I saw from them. I got to about 10, 11, and my parents' relationship deteriorated and the drinking increased. My father was never violent, but was emotionally unbearable. And with that, my mother became more aggressive towards him and more fearful of how people might see us or think of us in our very small community. She also started becoming very worried for my safety as I became a teenager. I remember she told me not to say anything about what went on in our household to anyone. Not to leave the property, my mother would say, be careful of people looking at you a certain way, and I couldn't go anywhere without my brother. So all of a sudden, my mother started to speak all of these fears over my life. I remember with everything in me, I just didn't believe it. I remember my grandparents had been praying, and I was pretty certain God was looking out for us. So... When I actually came to learn that verse from 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind, I actually remembered that's how I really felt then. 
But with this background in my life, any of these circumstances could have really opened the door to fear. But actually, it was two other things that really built up this nightmare life. So if we just go to the... So, next slide. I grew up in the 80s. And so you guys don't understand what that looks like, so I thought I'd show you some pictures. We had magazines. Okay, this is media influences. There's no social media. We had magazines, we had music, we had TV that ended at 10 o'clock. We had choices of one or two TV channels. Okay, so we didn't have a whole lot to influence us. Um, And so it would have been quite safe, I would have thought. Yet, um, if you go to the next one, we also had movies on VHS. We did go to the movies as well, guys, okay, so you could go to a movie theatre. And that was my favourite movie back then, you know, Back to the Future. Might have had a little crush on a skateboarding Michael J. Fox, which today is similar to a Tom Holland and Spider-Man, I hear. <laughs> um, it, it took a few minutes from two movies to influence my subconscious. Well, well, that's what I thought at the time. So one time I was at our friend's house in the neighbourhood, in the neighbourhood, and while I was there, they put on a horror movie. I had no idea this genre even existed, and I saw maybe a couple of minutes of it, and I ran home. And the other inf- movie that influenced me was Jaws. Now, that terrified a whole lot of people swimming <laughs> for a whole summer. But it would, honestly, I couldn't even watch that. And a few minutes of these, and my mind could not handle what I had seen. My spirit had been fearful in these few moments. And even though I could tell myself they were made-up movies, I would dream of other scary things. So it would be far worse in my dreams than anything else that I could see. So this would happen sporadically, but regularly. So regularly, it was enough to make me think it was normal part of my childhood and teenage life. And so regular, I didn't really think anything of it. And living in a non-Christian family, I didn't know anything about an enemy wanting to rob me of my peace and have me living in fear. So we know the Bible says Satan is a liar, and to believe a liar is to be deceived. But here's the thing with deception, right? You're not aware of it. You're not aware you're being deceived. And I was deceived with the very thought, this is how it's always been. I've always had this. It's just a normal part of life for me, and I'll get over it. So I believe this thought was true, and I took no action. In fact, you could say I accepted it and agreed with a lie and lived accordingly. I allowed myself to be bound to this lie and live with uninterrupted fears at night. I was unaware of a real spiritual threat to myself, and I was unaware God could help me. So I asked Jesus into my life many times as a child, and only at 17 as a family did God, you know, make a um, change in my whole family life, my mother especially, and we went to the Baptist Church in Paitoa just for one year before I left home. So I had one year in a Baptist church. And then it wasn't until we were married and had Kyla that we really began to seek God and read the Bible. Like it just wasn't a thing until then. We were fortunate God put us in a Pentecostal church, and I don't say it lightly because it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. I hardly knew the word really, but it's the power of God to break you free from bondage. 
and I received multiple prayers from the altar, but it wasn't until I asked the Holy Spirit to help me that I received my breakthrough. Wow. Yeah. So um, God gave me a bit of a battle plan, which is really tiny, but it might be up there. Okay. Um, and I, can I just say, this is mine. I think it's helpful for someone, but God will give you what you need. So when you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you what to do, and that's what he told me. So he told me, just keep getting to know him. And I was literally like a baby in the church. I was going up to the pastor and pestering every question about every concept we were learning. I had no idea. It was all like brand new, and I was, I want to know more about this and this. Tell me more, tell me more. And we even had home group at our home because we had a small child and we didn't want to miss it. And so um, we just wanted to keep on learning. And the big question that I asked the Holy Spirit was to, who told me that and why do I believe this? Like, who told me that that was normal for me? Where did that come from? Like, I really hadn't questioned that in my life. And um, the Holy Spirit wants you to know and believe what is true. And he only gives you what, he's in perfect alignment with God. And, own, and so you should expect to receive something from God's word. And I got this, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it kind of alerted to me that I was in a spiritual battle but also there was power to take captive every thought and make it obedient. So our thoughts kind of need to line up with what God says. If they don't, they're not for you. It's really simple. And um, these fears weren't meant to be part of my life. So I prayed this verse along many others. The Holy Spirit also made me aware of what my spirit's about and what else no longer needed to be part of my life. So if you've got a bondage that you know you're kind of dealing with, There's some things that you probably need to keep away from. And so for me, there's types of visual media and books I don't go to. It's a closed door. I don't need to go back to that anymore. Um, Ask for prayer. You guys might not know each other, but everybody in the room's had an experience of God. And you can ask someone to pray for you. You can go up to the altar, speak to those people that have been living a little bit longer even. They've probably been there, done that. Um, not only did I receive prayer for me, but some strongholds that were part of my family that came along with them, because they're non-Christians and parts, that was prayed. But that's another story. So, you know, C3, we've got freedom prayer. Focus time. Expect God to answer. Um, God really gave me to pray and fast. And when this concept came to me in church, I was like, what's this fasting? Never heard of this. And the Holy Spirit was like, you need to do this. And I was like, okay, I'll follow the example of Jesus, but it's 40 days. And I was like, that's quite hard. And I was like, God, I'm so desperate for this to be gone and dealt with. And I know you've shown me because you want it dealt with. That I'll do no food for as long as it takes until you're done with it. And because obviously I was going to bed and I'd close my eyes and I'd wake up terrified. I'd already know... I have this feeling before I was going to sleep. I was just that scared. And I was really fortunate. I had to fast for three whole days. Got to the third day, and I went to close my eyes, and oh, my gosh, just nothing. I was set free. I was so, so happy. (laughs) Okay, so I do have to speed up by the looks of it. 
We're counting down, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, so in that fasting period, I arm it up, okay? So praying God's word, singing it, shouting it. Um, we don't have any victory in our own strength. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit and you're not praying God's word, you've got no good words. You know, you've got, you've got to have a sharpened sword. And um, if you ever watched the movie War Room, I was a bit like that. Um, and it reminds me of when Pastor Teo was here from C3 and he said, so many Christians are walking around like spiritual streakers with only their helmet of salvation on. <laughs> and now I realised that's what I was at 17. I had no understanding of having this armour on. I didn't know about that I had that breastplate of righteousness on, or I may have known that part, and the belt of truth or the shield of faith and the sword and walking in peace. You can't have any of it without all of it. Yeah. Well, maybe be streaking I don't know (laughs) but um, even last week when Andre was talking about Israelites sending the spies and he says how Caleb had a different spirit I felt a little bit like that but also this passage reminded me that we need to take heed of a slavery mindset because that was all the Israelites and I was like that too I could moan and complain and accept the things that we're never meant to be bound to Um, it can keep us wandering in the desert for a very long time So we need to keep track of our thoughts, what influences them, how we might be bound by something that doesn't line up with God's word. And today we're more connected than we've ever been. It only took minutes to allow a fear into my life that plagued me from a young person up to that age. So all I can say is get to know God. He loves you and he has a perfect plan for your life. Reflect on your story, your life. Look at what's impacting you and those around you. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything in there that's becoming a bondage in your life and look to God's word. If it doesn't line up, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to speak his truth and break that from your life. So when I look at my life now, I know God is a personal loving God who wants to live, us to live connected to him and free of fear. There have been many thoughts that needed to grow up from my childhood thinking to God-like adult thinking. And the thought, this is how it's always been, has been one of them. So I praise God for the power of his Holy Spirit to bind up that spiritual attack in my life and help that thought be made obedient to his word. That's me. There's a bit of 1990s right there. Isabel's like going, oh, shame. Wow. I just want you to um, be encouraged. I want to honor my beautiful wife because that's not something that is normal for her. I, I quite like getting up and talking. It's not something that is um, as freaky for me, but it's, it is for Teresa. And the fact that she had something that was on her heart that she wanted to share should be an encouragement for all of you that feel that you've got something that's unique to you and be encouraged to share it. Because was that awesome? Well done. Very good. All right then. So, so so far this series we've been hearing about these awesome people that have been overcoming things and they've been sharing how they've overcome their fears or things that have been holding them back, um, pain in their life, adversity, etc. And tonight I want to just take a couple of minutes to talk about it slightly differently and to still on the theme of overcoming, but rather than it being these significant events, focus on the daily action of overcoming maybe the seemingly insignificant. So I ask you a few questions to start off. Have you ever felt disappointed? 
Have you ever um, felt disappointed perhaps with yourself or decisions that you've made? Have you felt disappointed with your life or do you feel disappointed with your life? Wondering if you should have, could have done more, achieved more or been like someone else. And it's these sorts of thoughts that I want to focus on tonight. Why? Because I think overcoming is often focused on the big things, you know, those big things that we overcome and we often see them, these big milestones and we're looking back on them. And that's awesome. At the same time, we also need to consider that Overcoming needs to manifest daily. And that we need to be conscious of overcoming even the the smaller moments. Because I think it's in these small moments that we can lose sight of these little losses. And if we don't, if we're not aware of them, those losses can build into disappointments. And then the devil can use those disappointments to overcome us. So my objective in the next few minutes is just to focus on those daily events um, because overcoming those, the significant things is amazing, but it's in the small moments that we can really be overcome. So I just want to focus a few on, those, on a few of those tonight. So lights, please. So tonight I want to focus on what is hidden. We may not be aware of how much our daily thoughts are impacting us and how the devil is actually operating in the darkness, chipping away at us, our true identity, our identity in Christ as children of God. So we're going to shine the light on some of these thoughts that run counter to God's truth, and we're going to bring those into the light. Lights, please. We're going to focus on a few of the ways that the devil tries to come against us, and we're going to be labeling these thoughts, because if the devil doesn't want us to know that these exist, he wants them to be running rampant in our mind and be undermining us, but when we bring them into the light, then they don't have any power over us anymore. So just a quick um, story about myself, the short story, how we arrived at C3. So I grew up in a little town called Kitapehi, which had about 500 um, people living there. My dad was a fitter and turner at the dairy factory, and we grew up in a little dairy factory house. And I grew up uh, as the eldest brother with my two youngest brothers there, Glenn and Jonathan. And we either rode our bikes around town or spent our time playing rugby. And that's um, I'm Dane Coles in the middle of the scrum there. My families weren't Christians, but mum and dad decided to send me to um, Kauranga Valley Christian Camp. And what do you know? I came home a Christian. Uh, And I'm still praying for my family's salvation because they're not saved. When I left school, I worked at McDonald's for 16 years. Check that out. The the biggest question that you're going to have later is, why is Ronald in someone's lounge? And I can't remember, but I worked at McDonald's for 16 years and then Fonterra for seven. And I had a number of senior roles in, in sales and training. I got to travel to some amazing places, but the best picture comes next. During that time, I, I married the love of my life. Isn't that wonderful? And I got in early before I started losing my hair and all that sort of stuff, so we got, we got married really early. During that time, I decided to, to leave Fonterra. I had this great job and great salary and bonuses, and I thought, why don't I go contracting for no fixed income? 
I had a wife who supported, supported me doing that, which was amazing. And I did a couple of roles, and then COVID hit. And we had just decided to build a house, and we just signed the loan papers on the Tuesday, and then I think we went into the first lockdown on the Thursday. Luckily, our lawyer hadn't returned the forms yet, which was a real um, God moment. During that, uh, the following months, Teresa's dad became sick and passed away suddenly, and we moved to Tauranga to be closer to family with no jobs. So for three months, my previous employer continued to pay me, and I had two weeks of holiday pay left. And it was three months and one week and a few days into that, and I still didn't have a job. And it was in that last week that I got offered a job, and they said, could you start next week? And I said, Teresa, I should take another week off just as holiday. And she said, no, you're not. And I started on the, I started on the Monday. So I said that I was going to focus on the daily moments of overcoming, but I wanted to share that story with you so that you know that God has come through for us in a significant way and, and brought us through that transition. So my story ended up well, which is great, but there was three months and one week and a few days in there where I didn't have a job. I'd like to tell you that I never worried during that time. I'd like to tell you that I never wondered what if. I'd like to tell you that I wasn't comparing myself to others and the roles that they have had and the money that they were earning. I'd like to tell you that I wasn't wondering what could I have been if I had stayed at Fonterra, as an example. I did have these thoughts, but I knew enough in my faith at that time that they were lies of the devil. And I knew that they were designed to take my eyes off the truth that God had for my life, and so I was, I was lucky. And there's a, a verse that um, we didn't really match this up um, as we were preparing, and God's good, and Teresa's already shared this verse tonight. And so coming up now is um, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it's that taking every thought captive that I want to focus on. And I think that's going to be a lot easier for us tonight if we can then label some of those thoughts. So I want to just give us four quick thoughts because if we can label them, then we can identify them. And I think that's going to depower the devil because if we don't label them and they're just swimming around in our minds, I think that's where the devil um, has his power. So four quick thoughts. What if... What if? Now, if you have what if as a thought about what if I did this or that, and you combine it with a bit of wise counsel, that could be really good. But the what if that doesn't help are the what ifs that you think about, well, what if I had done something different? What if I had made a different decision? What if I hadn't done this? Now, these don't help you. What if we had built that house? What if I hadn't left that job? The devil wants us dwelling on these on the what if, because it holds us to the past. And do you know what? We can't change the past. It wastes our time by focusing on us on regret, disappointment, and hopelessness. But tonight we say, devil, no more. The second thought is comparison, and this is a real big one for me, if I'm being honest. I often see posts on LinkedIn, which is like social media for old people, <laughs> and of what people are doing, and they, like, you know, announcing their new role and things like that and I often have an initial reaction of oh you know that could be me so I've done a combo there I've got the comparison and then I've comboed it with the what if and I put that together and what if that was me if I'd stayed could I be doing that job so that's a KFC is a double downer and that's my 
double down. But uh, tonight I say devil no more. The third one is, if only I was better. And this is the one that tries to make us feel like we're not enough. I don't know if this is unique to me, but I have this often. Maybe I'm not doing enough or I could be doing more, be better than what I'm doing. And even when things are going well, I think I could be doing better, right? So I could be even having a good week, but I beat myself up on these thoughts from time to time about couldn't I be better. But devil, we say no more tonight. And the fourth and final one, and this is probably the biggest, is around failure and our tendency to focus on failure. Looking back at things that we've done, things that haven't gone as well as we thought they could, or disappointments, and these can be real or perceived, because if we think they're a failure, then they are. That's true to us. Uh, Teresa and I, in that 16 years at McDonald's, the last three years we had McDonald's Thames, which is where I started as a crew person, and then we came all the way back to be the to the franchisees, and we had Matter Matter. And I thought that was what we were going to do, and we'd be doing that for forever. And then we made it, for a lot of reasons, we made the decision to leave. And I, for a long time, looked back on that as a failure. So that's how I would play back that decision in my mind, even though it was because we had a really young family and we were working every weekend and long weekend and school holidays and Trees was doing the accounts and Grandma was looking after Izzy, which was lovely, but there was so much sacrifice involved in that. But I know it was the devil trying to make me think that my past was a failure and trying to steal my joy. And we say, devil, not tonight. So there was the four th- thoughts that I wanted to label, the what if, the comparison, if only I was better, and focusing on failure. And I know that these are lies and ploys from the devil because there's a, a consistent theme to all of them. They're all about focusing on the past. And that's not what is true because what's true is that God has a, a future for us. And so that's why I wanted to identify this as a daily battle because these are thoughts that are happening all the time. You know, we have like 10,000 thoughts a day. You know, there's all these thoughts running through our mind and we need to be able to identify those as they're coming. And as I said, the devil can try to use these thoughts to overcome us. So perhaps if we don't see what he's trying to do, then he's going to get away with it. Okay, And we've really got to be aware of that. So I want to remind us to take each of those thoughts captive. And if you think about that word captive, it's because you've got to be, first of all, aware that you're having the thought, and then see if that's like something that is wrong, like the police would come and take that that thought captive. So you need to know a bit that you're having the thought, then you need to identify it. I'll ask the uh, musicians to come out now, please. So let's um, think about that. Jesus came that we could be born again, made free from our sin and given a new life in Christ with eternity as our reward. So I'd really like you to consider the next time you're having a thought, Maybe you're stuck in your own thoughts, which maybe that's just me, but happens from time to time. Are they focused on Christ? Are they focused on the, the truth, on the word of God? And like the verse that is, has been shared already through this series, which will be the, the last slide, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's that future bit that we really want to hone in on. God's truth is for us to look ahead and not to be stuck in the past. 
It's about considering what God has in the future for us. And also God's view on success is what I want. And now that I think about it, a lot of the, the thoughts that we, we can have, um, the world's thoughts often lead to disappointment, comparison, want, and then wanting more. Whereas God encourages us to store up our treasures in heaven. And really so many of my disappointment, disappointments, when I look back on it now, and you guys are probably going, you figured this out already, is when I was chasing worldly things. My success at McDonald's was because I thought then we would have these restaurants and we would be rich. And then we could do stuff, if I'm being honest. Isabel um, reminded me that you can't take your jobs or your things to heaven. I added that in this afternoon when I was running my sermon past my daughter, who is very good at critiquing sermons, if anyone needs any help. You can't take your jobs or your things to heaven. Also that we don't, this is from Isabel as well, that we don't need to feel disappointed or have guilt because Jesus came to set us free from our past. So to round this out, what have you prayed for in your life? So I have often prayed for my life. I've often prayed for my family. I've often prayed for our marriage. And I would say that I am the happiest right now that I've ever been in my life. Despite my regrets and my failures and all of my what-ifs and my comparisons, I wonder, would my relationship be what it is with my family and with my children if I'd had some of the successes that I wanted? What if I was smashing out record profits at McDonald's Thames and Matter Matter right now? Would I have the, the, the riches that God thinks are important? Or would I be back there going cha-ching, cha-ching, and then turn around? And this is where our biggest fear was our family would be gone. We would have material success, but we would have lost everything on the way. On top of that, the role that I'm doing now, the job that I have, didn't even exist. The company created it for me. And it draws on every single thing I've ever done through my whole career. And I love it. And I get to do my very best and draw on all of my experience every day. And I feel incredibly blessed by that. So this is the mind-blowing bit. So this, I've given you the disclaimer if you need to put your fingers in your ears in case your brain explodes. I wonder if, in fact, that some of the things that I once saw as disappointments were actually God answering my prayers because he knew and he wanted to give me a future. So I was praying these prayers for my family and for my marriage and for my life. And at the same time, I had these ones that kind of came under that about material things. But God said, that's all right, I'll let that one slide, but I'm going to answer these ones. So consider this. Maybe you're meant to be where you are right now. The key, I think, is to consider which way you're looking. Are you looking into your past or are you looking into your future? Are you looking forward? Remember, God wants us to look forward while the devil wants us to be trapped in our past. Are you aware of what you're thinking? Are you taking your thoughts captive and then comparing them to God's truth and the truth that he has a plan for you and he wants to give you a future? So in a moment, I'll just ask you if you'd stand, please. In a moment, we're going to offer you the opportunity to come forward. Perhaps tonight you've realized that you need to overcome something like Teresa said. 
Perhaps there's things from your past that you don't know how they got on you, but they're on you. And tonight you don't want to have that impacting you anymore and you want to break through. Perhaps tonight you want to bring into the light some of your disappointments, some of the stuff that's rattling around in your heart that shouldn't be there, that's just not helping you into your future. Perhaps tonight you want to turn your thoughts towards the future, the future God has for you, leaving the past behind. Well, tonight we say, devil, no more. So perhaps you've realized that maybe that's there's something that you know that you want to over, overcome tonight so we're going to ask you if that's you to come forward if you're tired of thinking what if if you've got issues like me with comparing yourself to other people and always coming up short perhaps you have a problem with always thinking that you should be better and that's causing you some pain or like me, you've been too focused on past failures. Well, then we're going to invite you to come forward. If you want God to break hold or break the, the hold of these things off you tonight, or if you just want more for your life, then we ask you to come forward tonight. We're going to have people up the front here, and we've all been there. This is not unique to you. Okay, so don't, don't feel feel that tonight. This is your opportunity to say, devil no more. I don't want any of these thoughts holding me back. Tonight I want to break free from that. I want to break free from my past. I want to walk into my future. And you want to walk out of here tonight just holding on to that future that God has for you. So as the band prays, I'm going to pop a breath mint in so I don't breathe my sermon breath on you and I'm going to get prepared to pray for you and we're going to invite the the leaders to come forward and there's going to be lots of people so you can pick the one that you like or form a queue and just come forward don't leave here tonight thinking what if leave here tonight having broken stuff off your life and really engaging in that future that God wants for you so come on down